chores since early that morning, as the doorsteps were already scrubbed white. Bedroom windows had been flung open, and the curtains fluttering in the wind added to the festive mood. At the far end of the street, a dozen or so boys were playing cricket with an upturned orange box as a wicket, while their sisters bobbed up and down the chalked squares of a hopscotch game. Millie tilted her face to the sun. She closed her eyes for a moment to enjoy the dappled shadow on her eyelids and the warmth on her cheeks. Is my wedder nipper sister? asked a woman who was beating out her doormat on the side of a house. About an hour ago, Millie replied. What did she have? asked the woman, setting out the newspapers on the rack outside the corner shop. You'd better ask Mr. Driscoll. Millie heaved her black leather Gladstone bag into the basket on the front of her bicycle. But I will say, you'll see some frilly baby clothes on the washing line from now on, she added unlocking the chain threaded around the lamppost and through her front wheel. Everyone laughed. An old woman with iron curlers in her hair looked out of a front window. She'll need to keep her strength up, so I'll pop her over a drop of stew, sister. I'm sure she'll appreciate that, Millie replied. Well, God bless the mite, called a woman who was polishing her windows with a newspaper. And sure isn't this the best of days to be born on? It'll be when old Churchill tells us it's all over, shouted a man, lounging under a lamppost with two others. I mean, Hitler's been dead a week, so that must be an end to it. Hey, sister, do you think the Driscolls will call her Clementine after the old boy's missus? Millie laughed and grabbed the handlebars. I wouldn't count on it. She noticed the woman leaning on the windowsill at the far end of the street, a young boy playing with a model tank beside her. Millie wheeled her bike towards them. Johnny looks a lot better, Mrs. Brown, she said, stopping in front of the pair. Has his cough gone? Mrs. Brown nodded and looked down lovingly at her son. He's almost back to his old self, thanks to you, sister. If it hadn't been for you showing me how to sponge him to keep the fever down, I don't know that he'd still be with us. Millie ruffled the boy's hair. I'm sure it was having his mum sitting by his bedside day and night that got him through the measles. Johnny looked up. Do you want to come to our party later, miss? It's going to be jelly and blancmange and pilchards and everything. Millie laughed. We're not together, I hope. I'd love to, but I'm going to see my mum and dad. He turned back to his tank and vroomed it along the pavement. Millie said goodbye to his mother, scooted her old bone shaker into motion and then climbed onto the seat. She pressed down on the pedals to build up speed, and then checking the traffic, swung left onto the highway and headed for Munro House, nurse's home, to have breakfast and restock her bag before starting her postnatal rounds. The breeze caught a couple of stray wisps of hair from beneath Millie's broad-brimmed hat and fluttered them against her cheeks. It also carried the sour odour of the river half a mile away. As if sensing the joy in the air, the sparrows hopped merrily over the charred beams of the bombed-out houses. It was the most wonderful of days. From today there would be no more sirens warning of enemy aircraft, or the eerie silence after a doodlebug's engine cut out and fell to earth. No, the dark days were over, and baby Driscoll couldn't have picked a more perfect day to enter the world. Millie pushed on, ringing her bell, waving at the beat officers seeing schoolchildren across the road, and smiling at the people passing by on their way to work. 
Finally, after twenty minutes of weaving between the lorries and a handful of old-fashioned horse-drawn wagons hauling goods from the docks, Millie pedalled through the back gates of the nurses' home. Munro House, where Millie and thirty other nurses employed by the St George's and St Dunstan's District Nursing Association lived and worked, was a large four-storied Victorian house, situated at the Limehouse end of Commercial Road, just past St Martha's and St Mungo's Catholic Church. It had once housed a family and an army of servants within its high-ceilinged rooms, and it had been bequeathed to the association after the Great War. Standing on one pedal, Millie swung herself off the bike and guided it towards the bike stand by the old stable walls. She wedged the front wheel into a vacant slot, grabbed her bag, and made her way to the back door. Pushing open the door, she headed for the refectory. The room where the nurses ate their meals was once the family parlour. Its lofty, ornate ceiling was cream in colour, and had been painted so often that what had once been delicate, crafted grapes...